Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podsite, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And today I am joined by a uh, returning guest, Tiffany Moret. How are you doing, oh, Tiffany? I am good. How are you, Carlo? I am doing fine. Um, and so uh, we are going to be discussing a short story that was like basically got nominated for every award possible and a few that I didn't even know existed back in, what is it, 2011, 2012? Yeah, published in 2011. Yeah, um, called uh, The Cartographer Wasps and the Anarchist Bees by E. Lily Yu. And uh, so you you had never read this one before, right, Tiffany? No, I had not. I've actually not read anything by E. Lily Yu, but I just went and bought her book. So that tells you anything. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to say that that's probably a good sign. Um, so I remember. So let me let's go back. We're going back in time, folks, to Carlo in 2011, who was still doggedly trying to write and figure out how stories work and so on and so forth. Uh, spoiler alert. I'm not entirely sure I know how stories actually work, but I'm getting better at it. When you figure uh, it out, let me know, Carla. Uh, well, I, I'm afraid that if I do figure out, it'll be only for the, that particular story <laughs> and not in general. Damn it. Uh. <laughs> you, you've heard, you've heard, you've heard that anecdote, right? Um, so, uh, just just to derail quickly, uh, Neil Gaiman, when he fin uh, finally finished writing American Gods, uh, he was like a big fan and apparently friend of Gene Wolfe uh, of, you know, uh, Shadow of the Torturer, Book of the New Sun fame. And he uh, he approached uh, Wolfe and told him, Gene, I figured it out finally how to write a novel. And Gene Wolfe apparently looked at him sadly and said, you've only figured out how to write that novel. That's so and accurate and depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take your, I'll, I'll say that uh, you have the wisdom here. I have yet to try my hand at novel length stuff. So I'm sure uh, it, it transfers to short stories as well. I mean, they may be shorter, but the, the, the artistic toll is the same. Mm. I think it's, yeah, it's like a number line. Every part of that number line is is a portion of infinity. So it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter what you're trying. Novel, short story, flash fiction, whatever. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. So uh, back in the day, I remember I was doggedly trying to get in, get published, get published. I was trying to get published in Clark's World. And I read this story. And I'm going to be really frank with you right now, Tiffany. I took offense at this story. 
Mm. Way back when. I was like just so mad at it. And you know what? I reread it just you know, just a couple days ago, and I had no idea why I was so mad about it. Because it's a fabulous story. It's great. Yeah. I, I don't know if you have you ever had that. Oh, uh, 100, 100%. Absolutely. I have had that happen where you read something and you go, this? And it, it could be a, a symptom of a million things. One, you're insecure. Um, uh, or two, you just, on an artistic level, do not agree with it. And that's both good and bad. And mm. you can either use it to fuel you and go, well, fine, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking show you what I'm about. <laughs> or you can use it to sit and be a whiny piss baby. So um, I, I think if you're not having that kind of reaction to certain art that's being put out there, uh, you're not paying attention, kind of. So, well, I think I think it's important to be self aware uh, to a certain degree because um, honestly, sometimes, like, uh, I don't think that that's exactly what's happening here in this particular story, but it does help to understand where you're coming from, at least, to then be able to apply, sort of put you puts parts of yourself. Um, whether it be like autobiographical or not, just something of yourself into uh, some sort of artistic endeavor. Uh, and those are usually the most interesting you know, things, you know, the ones that have little weird obsessions of yours and fears and shit like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this is, what would you classify? I, I think I'd classify this as like a weird allegory or fable well i actually just kind of looked some stuff up about it um because i didn't Mm want to sound like a total you know ill-informed dingling when i was talking about it um and somebody Uh on a uh on a review said they spoke to her and whether or not this is true um or heard from her My phone got paired to my microphone. Sorry about that. Um, Anyway. um, Hello, NSA. How are you doing? (laughs) Um, We lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? I just totally Uh, kicked me off. You were talking. You were talking about how uh, somebody had uh, had talked to her or been in contact with her. Yeah. Or they read that she had said that it was actually science fiction because she had done a lot of research on. Um, like the entomology side with these with the actual insects and a lot of the stuff she talks about is very true um, insect behavior and so in that way she kind of classified it as science fiction which I never would have chosen had you asked me I would have said a fable um, more on the fantasy side myself so if that's true I think that's really interesting it also made me like it more because insects are really freaking cool and yeah that's what I liked about it so much. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I think I, I had heard that before. And while I respect that, I don't know that I buy it, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I do honestly think it's more, I mean, sure. You can do your research um, regarding like ent- entomology. Wait, Adam. No. Yeah. Entomology, not etymology, which is the study of words, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh Yeah. Just because you did some research doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be received as sci-fi uh, necessarily. But, you know, to each their own. Mm-hmm. I I found it to be much more of a sort of like a, a fable structure more than anything else because it's got a lot of the same elements to it. Um, and uh, do we want to 
give a quick summary. I mean, it's, it's a very short story. It's like 3,400 words. It's not very long, but I feel like it packs a lot into its length. Um, do we want to try to do a, a just a brief summary? Uh, sure. Definitely. And by and by we, I think I mean you. Yeah, I think I got that by uh, your <laughs> intonation there. Um, <laughs> so we start out with um, a small child in a little village that in my head I pronounced as Yiwei, but I'm not sure if that's how it's actually supposed to be pronounced. Um, and he throws a rock at a wasp's nest and gets stung. And when they take the um, nest home... Uh, they like are washing them off and they get it wet and they realize that there's maps. Uh, the nest is made of maps. Um, since he disturbed the wasps, they have to go on their, go uh, find somewhere else to build their nests. And they end up settling near a beehive. And then we have an ensuing um, colonization um, of the wasps to the bees. And then we have these anarchist bees that decide they do not like to be colonized, essentially. And they go make their own hive. And we have a lot of discourse between how the wasps and the bees interact to this new, um, I don't know, this new setup, this new way of life, as the wasps are basically saying, we own you now. Um, And then the humans get back involved because they realize that there are maps involved in these wasps' nests. And when they go into a winter sleep and they're all kind of hibernating, uh, the humans come destroy the wasp nests and remove the colonizers. The bees wake up and wake, go, yay, they're gone. And the, they go out and find that the anarchist hive has basically destroyed itself due to lack of leadership, essentially. And that's kind of how it ends, which I also like that it ends kind of on a continuum here. We're kind of getting a little snapshot and there's no little, like little neat package wrapping it up and going in. This little children is the moral of the story. It was just kind of like, this is life. Um, Uh And I thought that was pretty, pretty nice. I I do have to say that the last uh, few years, ever since 2011, (laughs) perhaps if, yeah, perhaps giving me a bit of a, a more of an affinity towards the, the the sort of the structure of the story and, and sort of tease out some of the more uh, sort of like the the hierarchy of how the wasps are initially sort of uh, almost eradicated because I, it, that that's the part that um, that I did want to point out that when the boy who is just sort of like finds a rock he as a young boy does gets it in his head he wants to throw the rock at something per, you know preferably a bird or a sparrow that's flying around or whatever but instead all he finds is the wasp nest and uh, he hits the wasp nest and then of course they swarm out and they sting him and uh the villagers come you know his parents come and you know uh put some some sort of poultice or whatever on his uh, on his hand, and when they come back, they they basically pour uh, boiling water on the wasp nest. And as they as the the paper nest sort of slowly dissolves under the boiling water, they realize that it's it's not only maps but accurate maps of the countryside. And so then that uh, actually triggers the fact that they start finding every wasp nest that they can find and 
as expected, each one of them has a different tiny map with these tiny legends that can only be seen under a microscope and stuff like that, but they're accurate. And so the last of the wasps decide to take off and they're like, fuck this. <laughs> we are not going to be killed as well. And uh, that's the part that seems sort of like fable-like to me because they they sort of put together a little paper boat and sing sea shanties down the river until they run aground, you know, and, and then they find that they're, you know, 40, I think it was like 40 miles downstream. Mm -hmm. They, uh, they run aground and, and, uh, and come ashore and there's this beehive that they've already sort of scoped out. And they're like, well, that's going to be our client state and we're going to go in and fuck them up. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting to see uh, the way that, their near eradication then forces them into a new place where they then decide that they're going to colonize this other culture altogether. And, uh, and not only colonize, but they, they sort of like, um, if I'm remembering correctly, they in initially kill two of the, the, the first two ambassadors that the bees sent to them. Yes. That's like one of my favorite one. paragraphs. <laughs> I, I absolutely yeah. loved that paragraph. <laughs> And they, they like the second one. They sent they they kill the the ambassador and send back the sting. Yeah, they say the wasps of the council were gracious and only divested their envoy of her sting. She survived just long enough to deliver her account to the hive. It's it's like polite and brutal. <laughs> exactly, I loved it so much. <laughs> it's uh yeah, and so then um. Yeah, I, I just found it fascinating, like this sort of account of like how sort of you are, you can be, you can sort of pay it forward. Yeah. <laughs> the colonization can be paid Trickle forward. down colonizing. Yeah. Trickle down. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I remember, like, apparently there are the, the, the part that is, uh, that definitely I, I remember looking up, there are uh, certain... Uh, strains and hives and beehives specifically that will have like these anarchist bees and they'll go off and try to, you know, create a hive of their own. But usually because they don't have a, a queen, it sort of falls apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, here it's, it's made more into like, they're sort of almost a protest movement uh against the the sort of capitulation that the bees have because there is a a weird uh back and forth right after the um the 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 third envoy the third ambassador from the bees shows shows up and i'm trying to remember here give me a second uh it's basically yeah so uh so the queen is in a, is with her advisors and they're, they're talking about like, you know, um, they had to uh, convince her to accept the terms. And so, you know, they say like war is out of the question. Another said their forces are vastly superior. We outnumber them 300 to one. And the response is they are experienced fighters. 60 of us would die for each of theirs. We might drive them away, but it would cost us most of the hive and possibly our queen. The queen began weeping noisily again and had to be cleaned and comforted. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just sort of interesting to see how the sort of like the calculus and, you know, like the, the obstinate person in me, the obstinate part of me is like, 
fuck them. Yeah, you, you you outnumber them. Just lay lay on them. The 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 odds are in your favor. And then you go like, wait, but in politics, I guess like that's that's where the allegory comes in because you know the queen doesn't like a queen bee does not have this obviously this thought process it's more of you're you're mapping a human experience onto the bees mm-hmm. um and so you know you you think to yourself well sure we could but how many of us would be left over yeah and for yeah. for what what end you know if we're all dead yeah sure the wasps are gone but so are we but you know and and this is i think that this is the crux of it right but if it means that you're free versus being essentially like an enslaved people. And that's the thing. I, I, the, I don't know that it's entirely that, you know, it's not a complete enslavement, but it is more or less like what an Imperial force would do is like, okay, well we'll take every, you know, every, one of every 10 of your children to come live with us and we'll teach them, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and there's, there's a, a, another passage where they talk about like they, they sent out the wasps sent out. Um, it's right after that. Yeah. The terms of the relationship were copied out at the wasps direction on small paper plaques embedded in propolis and wax around the hive. As paper and ink were new substances to the bees, they jostled and touched and tasted the bills until the paper fell to pieces. The wasps sent to oversee the installation did not take this kindly. Several civilians died before it was established that the bees could not read the Yiwei dialect. So, you know, these are bees that can't read. So, eventually the bees are taught how to, you know, there's a small number of bees that are then accepted into the wasps uh, sort of hive uh, or nest or whatever, and then are taught to read and they propagate that, that knowledge outward. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's not entirely not, it's not completely not beneficial, you know? Yeah. Um, but they definitely are not happy about this. It just becomes something like, well, this is the new thing that you just sort of have to accept. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why I liked it so much. Um, it it was very, uh, I don't know. I could see a lot of humanity in it. I could see... How everything isn't so black and white. However, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of, yes, on one hand, they're teaching us things and we're gaining this knowledge we didn't have, but at what cost? And for 10% of our, like, pollen or whatever that they say, I can't remember exactly. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it was, I don't know, I'm not saying this very eloquently, but it was, it was gray. It was, it was very realistic and it's also kind of interesting to think about how that translates at an insect level and then also up into a human level uh how that kind of politics would still play out obviously i know that wasps and bees aren't sending envoys to one another um however but there probably is some sort of very similar um you know, exchange when you get into situations like this, when you have wasps and bees together. Um, and I don't know, I just oh, thought it was really interesting. 
Oh, they don't send out voice to each other. Did you do the research, Tiffany? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) For all we know, maybe they do. I don't know. No, I I, I agree with you. Um, But yeah, uh, I I just found it really fascinating because it does actually give you like this time, like this small scale imperialism. And it's like you said, it's, it's not exactly, it's presented in such a way that it's not, um, it's almost not realistic enough for you to, to, to sort of, uh, get really worked up about it, but also just enough is there for you to go, well, okay, yeah, I can see how that, that would translate. And you can sort of, you can meet the, the text where it is and go, yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, like, honestly, I, I, I couldn't fault the queen, even though I'd be like, no, fuck it. Right. Go. Your heart says, yeah, just go tear them apart. But yeah, I love that kind of writing when you have so much ambiguity as to who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. I love it when it's kind of mixed up and maybe one person thinks someone's a bad guy and one person thinks that same person is the good guy. And they both can make very solid arguments as to why. Uh, I think that's just clever writing and interesting Mm -hmm. writing. And it's the type of writing that makes people get on a podcast and talk about it. And I think that's, that, that's the excellent, that's why it's so excellent. On top of the fact that I'm obsessed, obsessed with her prose. I am Mm -hmm. so obsessed with it. I'm jealous. Um, because I feel like everything she writes here is so goddamn poetic and yet so effective. There is not a single word out of place, not one. And I don't know. It's one of the very few times for me um, where I had to stop and go, I'm just going to read that again because it was so goddamn pretty. Um, And I just, that doesn't happen to me very often because it's either kind of too much or too little, or it's just enough and you're not really paying attention. You're just kind of absorbed in the story, which is also very good writing. But there was something about hers that just made me go, "Ah, I could just read the whole damn thing aloud and just sit there and like the sound of it. And I mean, that is just a skill. That's quite a skill. Yes. I mean, it's it's sort of like that uh, that feeling. If I may borrow a, a bit of imagery from here, that it, it's like looking at a at a jar of honey that's sort of jewel colored with the light shining through it. Uh, honestly, I, I do have to say that even when even when I was like just white hot rage at this story, I had to give props to the prose because it's beautiful. It it really is, um, and. Now that I don't really have, I'm not really sort of, I don't have any beef with this story. <laughs> it's even better. Like, it's just simply, oh, this is beautiful. It's lovely. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually very delightful. And, um, and it, it does, there's lots of little turns of phrases and weird. It, it reminds me, there's a couple of places here where it reminded me, let me see here. Uh, there's like, about a quarter of the way f- or three quarters of the way in here it is here it is um that it, it gave me like a a weird like there's an assertion here that reminds me of like um Le Guin when she's like just sort of like yes horses have adopted <laughs> human traits that so much so that they enjoy our celebrations you're like 
Yeah, that makes sense. And you're like, no, it doesn't. I don't care. I don't care. It's just, it's poetic. And uh, here, here it is. Um, uh, the assertion is bees do not fly at night or lie to each other, but the anarchists had learned both from the wasps. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you believe it. Like, if you had to say, just like you said with Le Guin there, um, if you had asked me just randomly, do you think bees lie? I would immediately have said no. I don't know why. Right, right. They just don't you lie. Don't, yeah. Now, do wasps fly? Those little shits will chase me. They're nasty. So I'd be like, you bet your ass they do. I don't know. It's just the, hum- the human in us. I go, yeah, that's a liar. That one's not. You're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it. I think you're right. I mean, it's sort of like bees are very straightforward. They won't sting you just because they, they'll sting you if they feel like they're in danger or something weird is going on. But wasps, Jesus Christ, you better run. Yes, you just stay the hell away from wasps. They're, you, you they're nasty sort of, little shits. Just straight into their territory and looked, looked a little uh, suspicious to them. Fuck you. I'm going to sting the fuck out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, th- this story is, is just so nice to, to just read over and over again. And, um, I remember thinking to myself, like I, when I was rereading this, I was thinking to myself, well, shit, that, that part where at the end, um, the, the older sister of the boy that gets stung, uh, just at the end shows up and just like, she grabs the be- the, the wasp's nest and yeah, the, the story <laughs> she saved everyone, and you're like, "That's fucking do it, Deus ex machina," and it it isn't. It's 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 well established. Uh, there, there is weirdly uh, the the same sort of uh, a, a not the same, but a different incentive then becomes apparent, which is that she receives a call, or she makes a call to the um, to one of the ministries or the, the farm or agricultural ministry. And they tell her that uh, if she can find one of those wasps nests that has survived uh, the, the generals of the province would be very interested in paying a fair, a, a fairly high price for them because they're super accurate maps. And so she just gets on her bike and goes, goes searching for them. And then later on you go, Oh, she just grabbed the nest. Okay. That makes sense. I just, I also just loved how intertwined it was. You know, it starts out with the, you know, human involvement, getting everything all sorts of fucked up as we do. And, um, and just when you forget about them and you start, you know, really focusing on this uh, dynamic between the wasps and the bees, it's like, you know, wild card fuckers, here come the humans again. And, uh, <laughs> it was, it, but it did, like you said, make sense because of their, even- involvement in the beginning and also because you know I, I that trickle down again it's like it starts here and it keeps infecting everything it it touches you know even yeah. the bees who had nothing to do with the humans you know it starts infecting everything and then we come back and just i don't know kind of fuck it all up all over again and so when you're sitting there villainizing perhaps the wasps if that's what you're inclined to do um then it's sort of like you have this weird conflicting emotion when the humans come in and just kind of go, yank, fuck off, got your maps. Now you're fucked, you know, and they were one of the last ones. So um, I don't know. It's just like yeah. it, it, kind of like a roller coaster of emotions here of what you're feeling yeah, and mean, who you feel bad for. 
Yeah, yeah, it's weird because you feel you you feel pity for the wasps, even though they're they're complete fuckers throughout the like the story up until that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like for instance, here it is. Um, so it's it's winter time. Everything's sort of like you know, everything's closed up. The 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 wasps have, as the prose here says, licked shut their paper doors and slept in a tight knot around the foundress. Um, and so then uh, the girl from Huey, uh finds the nest and she had spent weeks tramping through the countryside, questioning beekeepers and villagers' children, peering up into the trees and into hives before she found the last wasp from Yiwei. Then she had to wait. She had had to wait for winter and the anesthetizing cold. But now, back in the warmth of her own room, she broke open the soft pages of the nest and pushed aside the heaps of glistening wasps until she found the foundress, herself stumbling on uncertain legs. When it thawed, she would breed new foundresses among the village's apricot trees. The letters she received indicated a great demand for them in the capital, particularly from army generals and the captains of scientific explorations. In years to come, the village of Yiwei would be known for its delicately inscribed maps, the legend, legends almost too small to see, and not for its barley and oats, its velvet apricots and glassy pears. So even then, she's now changed the course of her own village. Mm-hmm. And now it's become like this, that's now their, their, their biggest trade item, you know, the, the maps from the wasps. Yeah. And it... it it's sort of interesting because it's sort of like a, a weird effect of uh, sort of like an imperialism on two levels, right? The fact that there's a, now there's a trade in those maps, as well as the fact that the wasps as the uh, recipients of this, <laughs> this new regime uh, will now be basically bred in a way that sort of in a way that they uh, – that the bees were not treated, you know, it just basically just sort of brood brood mares, so to speak, just to produce more wasps and more maps. Uh-huh. It's just, I don't know. It's, I, f- I feel sorry for them now. And it's like, they're a bunch of fuckers, but I feel sorry for them. And I shouldn't. Well, I mean, you know, just like you said, it's, you know, imperialist in nature that they found something valuable in something one that they couldn't come up with on their own and therefore had to control it and commoditize it um, Mm -hmm. and uh, essentially ruin it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, I I lost my train of thought, but (laughs) I do that a lot. I mean, well, I mean, the wasps are no longer their own things, right? They're, they're not commodities. Yes. They're not even they're not even, you know, like living things to, to the generals and the scientists. They're just sort of like a commodity that uh, produces maps. Yes. And, and but, uh, but at the very uh-huh. end, that's kind of the, the cool little part of it about how entwined all of this is. Um, was that when the patrol bees from the hive go out and they find the anarchist hive, uh, the very last line is, um, you know, them reading what happened inside that hive. and then. Uh, the last line is then, and then right one said to the other, and she did. And so in a way, they kind of transferred enough of their, you know, the wasps transferred enough of, uh, you know, their culture for better or worse 
onto the bees and now a new one is starting and one that, you know, the humans aren't aware of yet. So it's in a way lending itself to what's going to happen after this and what are the bees going to be able to develop now? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not entirely lost. Um, We tried to crush it, but we didn't. (laughs) Not all the way. Yeah. They, they've become sort of like a hybrid culture now. Yeah. Um, And, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, like that, that sort of really hits, hits a little different now because it's like that, uh, what is it? They found curled and Captain Wax scrawled on page after page, words of revolution. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it also is sort of tragic that the anarchist bees just couldn't get their shit together because they couldn't decide <laughs> on who's going to be the boss. If that's no not one. the realest shit of all real, I don't know what is. You know, the anarchist bees are like, yes, we're going to revolt. We got all this shit going on in the background. Keep it on the DL, everybody. If we're going to go make our own hive and then they just fucking explode. Like if that's just not the way it goes, I don't know what is. What was the the place that was in Portland? The Portland Free. Oh, oh fuck! Gosh. I don't Portland even remember. Free Zone. Yeah, as the. the <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the they they created their own little uh, like hive hive of the free zone or whatever, and uh, it, it sort of ended in more or less the same way. Just like not just sort of disintegrated because no one could decide who was in charge of anything, you know? So yeah, I mean, that's, ain't that always the problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happens when you get a bunch of anarchists together. Nobody can agree on leadership and organization, which is what you need in order to defend yourself well, against this. Big I would, beast. I would, yeah, I would argue that the, the, that there are, uh, there are probably anarchists out there that might listen to this and think, that's not true. Um, which, you know, I, I do know a, a few people that do have anarchist tendencies, but also understand that, yeah, you do need to have like a fucking plan and you need to like figure out whose role is what and whatnot. But, you know, the like if you just recently came to anarchism and you think that it's just no, no one has a boss. That's great. It's like, no, you, you need to do work. You need to figure out how you're going to protect yourselves as well. And, uh, you know, especially given the fact that the world outside of, uh, you know, whatever your free zone is, is not going to take kindly to your shenanigans. Um, and I, I, I don't have any particular wisdom on that. It's just simply like, it's just the reality of it. You need some sort of, not a hierarchy necessarily, but definitely like a definite explication of roles and who's going to do what and who's going to, you know, who's going to take take control of what when because at the end of the day your enemy is extremely well organized and they'll crush you just by the sheer fact that they know exactly how and they got a game plan for every (laughs) there's they they know what to do and they'll crush you so you have to be prepared so i mean obviously being um nimble and all that kind of stuff lends yourself to a little bit of a uh you know, surprise factor, but that only gets you so far. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 I would just probably push this, (laughs) this into anybody's hand that is thinking about like doing any type of organizing that is uh, no, you know, like, uh, like if another Occupy were to show up, 
Just give them this story, please. Yes. Just give it to them. No, this is, look at, read this. You're not the wasps and you're not the regular bees and you're not the humans. Look at how you ended up. Yes. And, and sure, it's nice to have the good fight, but you're going to be dead at the end of it. So, yeah, you, know, you got to think about that. Yeah. Um, just a, it's just such a good story. I feel like I kind of bumble when I try to talk about it. In my head, I sound extremely articulate, by the way. But uh, when I get on this podcast, I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's, you know, cool, right? But uh, <laughs> I, I did truly, truly love the story. Just, I just loved reading it, like I already said. And that's not something that happens to me very often. So I was like, I could just read it out loud to the kids. Come on over. You're going to learn about wasps and bees today. Mommy, why did the bees die? <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, go back and tell that to your teachers. We're going to talk about anarchists at home. See how they like that. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I, I think uh, at this point we could probably uh, shift over to see, uh, like, what exactly, uh, you know what? What have you been up to, uh, Tiffany? What uh, irons have you in the fire? Have you? Uh, I know that you had. Uh, an, you're working on another book, right? I am. I just finished it and started subbing it. So we'll see what the fuck happens with that. That's always Good a shit luck. show. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, so can can I ask you? Do you do the pit mad or? Uh, I actually, so I did. I did kind of throw my you know, hat in the ring today mm -hmm. and I got a whopping zero of nothing, which mm -hmm. is how it always seems to go. So, you know, it's just kind of the traditional route is how I'm, how I'm going yeah. with this one. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Like I'm, I'm not trying to take crap on anyone that does the pit man, but it, it does not seem to me to be very effective. I don't know. Yeah. It's, and I, it's never worked for me and I don't know. Uh, the traditional querying way hasn't worked for me either. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of zero for zero here. But um, it I don't know. There's just a lot there. I feel like there's a kind of a certain type of book that gets a lot of traction in those types of arenas. And it's not my book, which is weird as fuck. And maybe I'm just not as good at pitching things as other people are, which is probably true. Um I, you know, I can't get that concise, you know, just zinger of a one line. Um, so, you know, it's it's you, not really worked well for me, but it, it works great for others. So good on you. You, you know, you just have to write the, uh, the, 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 the title of your book has to be the noun of nouns. <laughs> yes. And, uh, the think, noun of noun works, and noun. Right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It has to be uh three. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, so you had, what was it, the Flood of Posies and the anthology that you were in. Remind right. me what the name of that is again. That's called um, Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter, okay. And then I have and another book coming out um, with the same publisher uh, next summer called Little Bird. And then um, I have the one I just finished that we'll see what happens with that. But that one, I, I went way more horror than I normally do. Uh, mm. It's it's pretty uh, pretty dark and fucked up. But I did write it, you know, during the pandemic. So no wonder. 
It's it's not a pandemic book, is it? It is absolutely not a pandemic book. <laughs> That's the last thing I wanted to write about. But I was very angry and mentally fucked up, so. What? Yeah, I know, everything's, right? Everything's back to normal, haven't you heard? I know. I mean, my kids, they're going back to school, and there's a optional mask mandate so you know that's all sorts of fucking fun oh nice yeah so all that rage and anger and i don't know uh, just ickiness went into this this book and it came out so bonkers i don't even know so fingers crossed well fingers crossed for sure um yeah so uh in any case I do want to thank you for coming back on and talking about the uh, cartographer wasps and anarchist bees. And, uh, and I'm glad you liked the story. Uh, I mean, otherwise I, I would have been like probably a little uh, embarrassed if <laughs> you had not liked the story. I was like, damn. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I would it. probably engage, engage with the engage with you in debate. And, uh, you know, well, that sometimes is more fun. You know, when you sometimes, you, yeah, sometimes when you can come in and go, huh, no, let's go at it toe to toe. That can be fun. But if it was just me saying, oh, yeah, that story was awful. Well, then you would just have to say we can't be friends because you don't know what good writing is. So, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> damn. All right. All right. Well, in any case, uh, I do want to thank you for coming back on. And of course, uh, you have an open invitation to come back whenever you feel like it. If you have any idea, feel free to let me know. <laughs> you got it. I'll come up with something stupid, I'm sure. Uh, you know what? There's plenty of 80s movies out there that are dumb oh. as rocks and oh. amazing to watch. Carlo, I just watched the stupidest movie on the planet. It was amazing. We'll have to talk about it. It might oh, be worth okay. it. It was it was oh. amazingly stupid. It was great. <laughs> Loved every second of it. Excellent. All right. Well, you'll have to clue me in offline. All right, folks. Um, I think that's about it for today. And I do want to thank you again, Tiffany. Uh, it was a blast. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Potside, everyone. Bye.